Christmas, aren't we, Matt? And this is episode four. How? How did this is exciting? It's exciting. We're doing it. We're actually doing it. It's been so fun to just hear people just encourage us I in know. this. I think it's so funny when people are like, well, why didn't the two of you start this sooner? Well, people that know both of us. Yeah, and also it's funny because it's like, well, we wanted to. We've talked about it. We uh, talked I, about, I mean, you did, did have the equipment for I over know, two and years. you just kind of said, Matt, you're really good at this. Just do it. And yeah. I Google how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen, we can do this. Uh, the, the, what's great is you're just like a planner and a thinker oh, and, you know, planning it out and, and I'm like are not. Uh-uh, no I'm a dive in people probably think we're more similar than we really are no. but we are very different we are very different I'm like Matt we're doing this I'm showing up at your house on Sunday uh-huh. have everything I'm getting my mic it's been delivered <laughs> we're go. doing this and you're like ah! and we're just kind of figuring it out along the way we are it's been fun it has it has been really fun all right so as we always start off what has been a good day for you um recently okay now, listen, I'm all about the ordinary being extraordinary. That's right. That's your mantra. It is. So I love days, and I've, I've had one of these this week, where I'm just home. I'm puttering. You know about the putter, Matt. Oh, you are the queen I, of puttering. I love putter. I putter with Wait, my plane. can plant. you define what puttering is for those that um, may not know? Yes. Okay. So so tell us sometimes when you get up in the morning, you're like, okay, today is clean my house. And you're just like on the mission to clean your house. And you're like, you're, you're full you like on. A like, yeah. Clean yeah. your house. Like get it done. Like you're scurrying about. Puttering is not scurrying about no. quickly. Puttering is like, oh. I think that I'll water those plants. And then you were like, oh, I think I'll trim that plant. Oh, I think I'll take my pothos and put some in some water. You know, and you just kind of putter along. You just, whatever comes across your path, you do it. You do at it. At your pace. Yeah, at your pace. And and then I'm like, oh, the laundry room needs that counter cleaned off. I think I'll do that. <laughs> and then I'll get like halfway through and be like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. So then I'll be like. That's so funny. And then I'll be like, oh, you know what? I need to. You know, wash the Does puttering give you permission to stop in the middle yeah. of oh, whatever yeah. it puttering is you're puttering? Is, <laughs> you putter, putter is your own day. <laughs> you define putter the way that you want. That's the joy of puttering. That's the joy. That's, that's right? the joy of puttering is you get to do whatever you darn book? well Maybe please. Maybe that's your book, The Joy of Puttering the joy of by Leanne Miller. <laughs> the Joy of Puttering. I, um, yeah, I like to putter. So is Daryl a putterer? Oh, no. Daryl is a, like a task person, man. He's like, see that right there? That needs done. Going to do it. I'm going to make a pile of firewood. And he does it. And he does it. And, and he's he does done. It. And he, all the way through. Oh, not me. No, no, no. No. <laughs> That's like why that just, works. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was mine. Just That's an ordinary so awesome. day at home puttering about. <laughs> well, for me, in full transparency, this didn't happen just this week, but it's a good day that's recent, that's in my memory, um, is there is a group of guys that I'm friends with that for whatever reason, we all discovered that we have a shared love of Skyline Chili. Have you ever had Skyline Chili? Yes, I don't like it. Have you really, have you had Skyline? Like actual Skyline? Yes, I've had it. Like at the Skyline Chili place. Okay, so for those Cincinnati Chili people, there are two. Nope. Skyline is the gold standard, Mm -hmm. the preferred, my preferred Cincinnati Chili style. Um, So anyway, there's this group of guys that all love Skyline Chili. And maybe three to four times a year, we will make a Skyline Chili night 
What? My friend Eric usually drives in his minivan, and we <laughs> fill every seat. So there's seven of us that go. <laughs> is and this we, a joke? This is not a joke. This is not a drill. This actually <laughs> happened. I have photos to prove it. Um, and we will. We went on a Monday night, and we all met in a parking lot somewhere, jumped in the van, and we drove 40 minutes to Skyline Chili, and we... Had a large, I had a large three, three way and two cheese conies, and it was perfection. Okay, where's Skyline Chili? Forty minutes it's away from here. It's in Mansfield. Wow. Um, and we go. The reason this came about was most of our wives don't really like it. No, they shouldn't. So the wives are like, <laughs> just go without <laughs> us. Go. <laughs> hey, now my wife does like Skyline Chili a lot. We are we are a Skyline Chili family. It has like cinnamon and chocolate in it. It does have cinnamon and chocolate in it. And you've had it in the store with the cheese and the. I don't like it. Oh, we love it. I don't like it. Maybe I should give it another whirl. You You know, maybe now at fifty (laughs) four, maybe I was just like in my forties. Yeah, maybe it has. And you have to eat it a certain way. Oh, what do you? So okay, so maybe I don't know about that. So this is this is just me. Like, don't slide into my DMs and correct me because this is the right way. Is you eat it. You're gonna die. You eat it clockwise, and you eat. It. No, this is a thing. <laughs> this is the thing. You eat it in little squares, and what you do is they give you a little cup of oyster crackers. And so what I do is I cut a little square, put it on my fork, put an oyster cracker on top of the cheese, and then put a dab of hot well, sauce, and then you put it in your mouth. Okay, and maybe you, I would like it. You go, like maybe I did this technique. <laughs> you have to go around. Everything clockwise and eat it and the cheese the yeah. hot sauce the oyster cracker maybe we need to go okay and yeah. dear skyline if you're listening we would love for you to sponsor us or send us to skyline no you sponsor half of it skyline until i eat it again and like it <laughs> so you sponsor matt's half this if, i wish we could do a commercial because this is real life yeah there's this, this is not paid advertising no, i truly love skyline yeah i don't love it but maybe if i ate it with that approach Everything would change. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. Maybe that's the secret, man. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go yeah. any further, how did you learn about the clockwise approach? Okay, well, that's a great question. Um, but I learned it from an ex-girlfriend who grew up in Cincinnati. Oh, oh. how to eat it clockwise? <laughs> how to eat in it the right uh, way. Okay, all yeah. right, all right. So, and what's really great is so what I'm you not took alone. away from that relationship. <laughs> there was very few that I uh, took away from that. <laughs> But my love of Skyline was birthed out of that relationship. Okay, all right. Well, thank you. So thank you, Jessica Spears, yeah, for well, giving me you, my love of Cincinnati yeah. Skyline Chili. There it is. Um, hey, well, today is the di- the deep dive on Leanne Miller. Wow. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you excited? No. Are you nervous? Yeah. Okay. Oh. You are? Oh, okay. Maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, because <laughs> because I think anytime we share vulnerability and like the hard parts of our life, it can feel disarming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, can you tell us where did you grow up um, and what was your family like? Okay. <laughs> I grew up in, um, in here in Ohio. I was born in, in Worcester, actually, which is kind of interesting. Worcester I Hospital. In, yeah, I was born in Worcester Hospital and was... Um, Spent my childhood in Millersburg, Ohio, in Amish country. Um, lived next door to a lovely Amish family. Um, and then the summer after my fourth grade year, we moved to Lynchburg, Virginia. Why did you guys move? Um, my dad wanted to get his doctorate degree mm-hmm. at Liberty University, which was then called... Um, 
wasn't called Liberty. It was called Liberty College. It wasn't called Liberty University huh. at that time. Okay. I can't actually remember. Was what Liberty it was in called. the name? You think? I can't remember. Okay, I'm gonna Google. You keep talking. Okay. So so we um, moved there. And that's where my mom got into the restaurant business for the first time. Um, she um, bought a small building and started um, a little sandwich and cheese shop. Was carried, it by the college? Yeah. Oh, ca- that's carried cool. carried um, specialty cheeses and made incredible sandwiches. And Mark Lowry, do you know who that oh, is? Oh, the comedian yeah, singer? He, yeah, he, he wrote this song. Mary, did you know oh, yeah. that you were baby boy? Uh, he is part yes, of the Gaithers. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Okay, Mark Lowry came into our place all the time oh, and cool. um, would eat, you know, our food and laugh and make us all laugh. Okay, I have an update for you. Okay. So Liberty University was formerly called Liberty Baptist College. Yeah, thank you, LBC. And then yes. before that, it was called Lynchburg Baptist College. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there you go. LBC. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it was, we went when it was called LB, uh, Liberty Baptist, Baptist College. College. Yeah. Um, and my mom was one of their first nurses that oh, they that's had on cool. staff. Yeah, my mom yeah. was a nurse. And then and then went into the restaurant business. And we were at um, we were in Lynchburg until um, about a week before my senior year of high school. What? And then we moved back to Millersburg. Whoa. So August your senior year of high school, your parents are like, hey, by the way, we're going mm-hmm. back to Holmes County. Yeah, but they didn't, but it wasn't we. You're moving back with your dad to Millersburg. Wow. Going to live in a small apartment that was actually um, lived in by my grandmother who had passed away. So I lived with my dad my senior year until my mom sold the restaurant there in Lynchburg and wanted my, you know, she wanted my sister and brother to be able to finish there the year they were in or the, they went, I, I actually not sure why my younger brother and sister got to stay there with my yeah. mom, but they did okay. something to do with school. I can't yeah. remember the details. I can't remember that part. I just remember what happened to me. So you just jumped in senior year yeah, at, into a new high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you think about that time, what, like what memories come to mind? Well, I remember, this is weird, a weird thing to remember, but I, I, it's not that I think of it often, but when I, whenever graduation time comes around, like for, for seniors, I think of my own graduation. Right. And I remember when graduation was over, taking my cap off and going up to my mom and dad and saying, I want to go home. And yeah, I just, it wasn't, it just wasn't a, you know, your senior year, you wait at the school you go to, you wait for that senior year. I was the new person and it just, just uh, yeah, I just, um, I, it, it wasn't a great experience. And then I was accepted to go to Liberty university. Um, and just one summer day, the admin, um, the admin office of Palm Beach Atlantic College. Then now it's Palm Beach Atlantic University, but it was Palm Beach Atlantic College then. PBAC called me cold call. You know, it was when wow. that was when at, at admissions office did cold calls yeah. <laughs> and said, "How would you like to come to Flor to a Christian college here in South Florida? Um, we'd love to have you." And I'm and like, you were like. Yes. I'm like, how far are you from the beach? And they're like, well, you walk there. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I want to come there. And so I did. That is awesome. I did. I went to um, Palm Beach Atlantic College. I graduated from there. What I was your degree in? Business marketing. Okay. Yeah. I loved um, my time there. 
um, met a lot of great people there, have, have still have friends from there. Yeah. Um, and then, um, wait, after, who's the group of women that you get together with from there? What do you guys call yourselves? The 730 the, Club. The yeah, 730, 730 Club. Um, so 730 Club, yeah, those women were all still in touch. Yeah. But I worked in Orlando after college, and then um, I worked there for about a year and a half and then moved back home just for the summer. Yeah. I was just going to move back for the summer, Matt. It was just going to be over the summer to help um, in our family's restaurant in Amish country because then we had a restaurant in Amish country. Right. Um, and full intention, I already started circulating my resume by fall. I said I'll stay through October because that's the busiest, that's the busy season here. busiest yeah. month of the year um, in Amish country. And then in November, I started circulating my resume, but then met the Amish man. Okay, so you were like, I'm going to come back temporarily, and then the tables turned. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't need to go into the D uh-uh. story right now because uh-uh. we really don't have – that we much don't have time. time. That can be a separate and one. Or also, you, you can listen to mm-hmm. the D story at in great detail on Carlos Whitaker's podcast. Yes, um, where Le- he interviews Leanne all about her relationship with Daryl. Yes. Um, so if you want to catch that, you can definitely go uh, check out Carlos Whitaker's episode with Leanne. But can you tell us the abbreviated version of how you and Daryl met and what that what that looked like? How we met and what that looked like. Yeah. Okay, so the abbreviated version is that we we Daryl came to do the fireplace at my mom and dad's house, and I saw him and said to my friend who was there, "I think I'm going to marry that man." <laughs> and so you just saw him and you were like, "Oh, okay, this is it." Yeah, yeah. Met, dated, married in 28 days, which um, the podcast episode for On Human Hope is episode 19. Okay. And then if you fast forward to, to recently um, in August, um, we did a part two with Daryl, yes. which is a miracle. Can you still? I can't, I can't believe your I husband still was can't on believe a podcast. He did it, but he was on Carlos's podcast. So, so he was coming in to do like a chimney, I think. Yeah. And he, you... Tell us what happened that morning, because I love that part. You well, woke the morning up early. He came. The morning came. I, I got up. I did my hair. I had big bangs. I had big hair. So I did the full-on hair. I was up at like 530 in the morning. It, don't we call this story Big Bangs and Amish Britches? Yeah. Um, that's on my website. Yeah. You can read about it, too. Big Bangs and Amish Britches. Big Bangs and Amish Britches, yes. And so I... Um, that morning I had coffee ready and cinnamon rolls and I still have <laughs> the, I still have the coffee mug that has the hearts all over yeah, it. Cause I served them in a coffee mug that had heart hearts. And on the inside of the rim, it said heart strings. <laughs> and I was like, I handed him the coffee, like subliminal message. I love you. Um, and then did we'll, he know? Oh, I think he knew that I, Liked Oh, him. I think so. I mean, there yeah. was so much chemistry between us. It was like, you could have cut the air. Like, oh my. yeah, it's truly, I mean, That's we just, awkward. Well, awkward or not, that's the way it was. And so we got married, (laughs) and um, my family owned a 20-acre property at that time, my mom and dad. We built a bed and breakfast, yeah. an inn, started out with five rooms, then we had seven rooms, then we had nine rooms, then we had 10 rooms, and um, we were there for almost 26 years. Wow. And then that was when the really hard parts of my life, um, the last, oh, last five, 10 years that we owned the, the inn were were really hard. Right. Um, we um, were in business 
really in business and in not just business, but also our home, everything was in, in enmeshed and, and connected in business with my family right. and things started to shift and change and, and it was really, really awful. Yeah, it was. And I remember when we met in the beginning of 2008 mm-hmm. and it was a hard time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were going through a financial mm-hmm. like strain with mm-hmm. your family business mm-hmm. and figuring out that stuff. And it was just hard. When you look so back hard. on that time, what um, what's the part that sticks out to you where you're like, I would never walk through this again, where, where you're saying, um, if I could give someone advice on how to avoid this, what would you what would you tell them? Don't get in business with your family. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. I don't know very many successful ones, and the successful ones that you know of, go meet with them, see how they have it done. Yeah. You know, we had we had everything legally. We thank God we had paperwork. You know, we had paperwork and legal. Right. You know, legal paperwork. We did do that, so that was great. Um, I thought you were going to ask me what stuck out in my mind the most. And, you know, when I really think about, like, when I go back to the walking out of those days, because yeah. I met you at the tail end of that. Right. But when I go back to the walking out of it, um, I had a mentor that was a huge, yeah. that was huge for me. Yeah. To have somebody saying, walking alongside me saying, you know, this isn't going to last forever. Right. You are going to get on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. God is with you. He's protecting you. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would call me in the morning and say, this Bible verse popped out for me, wow. you know? Um, but I just remember it could make me emotional now just being so sad. Yeah. You know, just, just waking up. There would be times I would wake up and my face would be wet because I would be literally crying in my mm. sleep. I mean, it was just, it was so sad. It was such a sad time for me because I felt so, um, so betrayed. Mm. You know, I felt like we had all the documentations. We had done the due diligence. We had made the agreements. Right. And then those agreements were not being honored. Right. And they were, and they were being actually the opposite of honored. And it just um, felt like really the ultimate betrayal because the people that you certainly that got places in your life that right. you trust the most are your mother and father. Right. And so I just can remember those days. I can remember just those days feeling so sad. Yeah. And you know, when you're that sad and you have kids, you don't want to be that sad in front of them every day. Right. So I would try to get my sadness out, you know, in the morning. Um, that's when my prayer closet started and mm. I started going, we had a walk-in closet where you, in the room you used to live in, <laughs> um, I'd stop going in it after yeah, you lived there. But, right. um, in those two years before you lived with us, I used to go into that prayer closet and I, I mean, I wrote on the walls. It, it actually probably looked like a crazy person went into the prayer closet <laughs> because I just wrote God, God's promises on the walls right. and his verses on the walls. And this was before even the, what was that? The, the war room. The war it was before that yeah. movie even came out out um i was the og war i was the og war room (laughs) um and i would just i would just go in there and just pour my heart out to god and i would just try to get it all out so that i could i could be 
what I felt like I wanted and needed to be for our boys. Right. Um, and so if you are, if you're in the middle of something really, really hard, I just encourage that, mm-hmm. you know, get up before the rest of the house, get up before your kids are, you know, up and around and just, or, or take your kids to school, take your kids to school, come back right. and, and go into and do the work and, and do the work because, um, that I believe that the, my prayer closet and that time to just get it all out was part of what's part of what really rescued and saved me. Absolutely. And then also clinical counseling. Absolutely. Um, because with the clinical counseling came a lot of things, you know, when you're in the middle of, of, of crisis with your family, you know, because somebody has made a decision that you, you are kind of like a victim of, right? right. You know, you're just subject to what they're deciding. Um, there's lots of different choices you can make. You can fight, you know, mm-hmm. um, or you can you can go to a professional place where you can get guidance, like wise counsel. Right. You know, and one thing my mentor said to me during that time that I really remember too is um, that the Bible says in a multitude of counselors, mm-hmm. you are safe. So, so I surrounded myself with as many people that gave wise counsels I could, but, but some of my friends who were well-meaning that weren't counselors gave horrible advice. (laughs) So, right. right? So, so having a professional clinical counselor that can say, okay, these are the boundaries that you need to put in place. And I would be like, Oh wait, no, you don't know what you're asking me to do. And she's like, yes, I do know exactly what I'm asking you to do. So when I started putting, boundaries in place when I started caring for myself in ways and sometimes caring for myself looked like this which was also a boundary saying to a person that is speaking to you in a way that is harmful Mm. you know and harmful let's say mentally and emotionally Mm -hmm. saying projecting things on to you that are um, for lack of a better word mean yeah saying to that person you do not have permission to talk to me that way. That's so powerful though. It it was so hard to utter it the first time Then after you get it out the first time. Now I'm not your counselor. So if you go around saying this, (laughs) 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 go get a counselor and let them guide you when to say this. But when I started implementing those things, Mm -hmm. which were care for my, that was caring for myself saying, you do not have permission to talk to me that way. Um, there started to become a shift. Yeah. Now, some of those shifts have have produced now. Um, wow, Matt, how many years is that? Two thousand six, seven. Is that fif- seventeen years? Like, is that seventeen? It's, uh, it's a while. It's over fifteen anyway. Yeah. The, some of those boundaries now have produced lovely relationships right. with some of my family members that I did not have for a long time that have just now happened in the last even three two, years, three years, two yeah. or three years. But those boundaries and those kind of self care sentences, like you don't have permission to talk to me that way right. also has caused estrangement from right. some of my family. Um, and you know, and then, so that happened and then fast forward a little further and, you know, um, my relationship with my dad, um, had, had always been 
distant and mm-hmm. not great. You know, yeah. my dad was in ministry and it was just one of those classic tales of, you know, my dad was out saving the world when his family was becoming lost. Yeah. And, um, and so I didn't have a close relationship with my father and, you know, you were part of that, you know, where I, I, tr- there was effort there, that, right. but it just was never, it was just never what I really wanted it to be. Right. And, you know, and then he, um, passed away, but leading up to his, pa- you know, leading up to his death, it was just ugly. Yeah. Um, and when he died, I was not sad. Um, you know, and that is that hard for you to say out loud. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Because, because, because it makes me feel sad to say it. I mean, it's the reason I'm sad is I'm sad because of what it could have been. You know, I'm sad of, I'm, you know, listen, I've, I'm at a place I've had enough therapy (laughs) and I've had enough great people around me that, you know, I, I know that I am a great daughter (laughs) and I know that it could have been different and he just didn't know how he just didn't know how to do it. And so, um, but the sadness really comes from some of the things that he did leading up to his death that just were really wrong. And I just, um, I just couldn't seem to get over that as far as just like, you know, this is wrong. So I'm going to say it's wrong. I'm not going to have any part of it. And so when he died, I I actually, and I know some people identify with this and it could make you feel like, wow, I can't believe she's saying how I feel, but, um, a sense of relief, really. I feel a sense of relief and I have the promise of heaven where things will be restored. Right. I believe I know my dad in heaven and things can be 100% restored and good there. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sad. I I feel a sense of relief. Do you think that when your dad died, do you feel like your hope that it could get better that that's part of the sadness for you is that? Well, I think that's part of the relief. No, I think it's a part of the relief. Mm -hmm. Part of the relief is that like now I don't have to have my hopes dashed, you know, now I don't, now I don't have to face like, well, it's not, this isn't going to happen. I mean, like, you know, I hope this Christmas it'll be different. Well, nope, it wasn't, you know? So I think the sadness is, I feel like it could have been different if he would have wanted it to be different, but instead of, taking a path of really trying to make it different. He actually did things that were really destructive. Yeah. And then I just felt like relief in the sense of like, now I don't have to have my hopes and my expectations, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you can go about life with relationships and go, okay, I'm going to set the expectation really low here. (laughs) And, and if it's even possible that sometimes people even go lower, I know. And so I can think of specific (laughs) things with the situation that that happened and that's hard. Yes. Yes. Uh, Just to give you a little snippet is my father, my father, um, this is so personal. I can't even believe I'm putting out in the public. And I'm not, and I don't want to bring my siblings into this because they have 
their privacy to protect. Right. So I'm I'm just telling my story. Right. And my story is that my my I was part of a lawsuit. My father sued me for um for an for amount for money, and toward the end of his death, probably about two or three years before he died. Yeah, it was probably two years before he died, and that just you know, after your parents, after that happens, <laughs> you're like, where do we go next? Okay, yeah. yeah. So so obviously, there's not much of a relationship here to salvage if right. we're we're gonna be suing each other for m- m- right monetary amounts. So. So tell me this, when you look back on those really hard days, how do you think that has shaped your appreciation and value for the good days? Because that's, you lit, literally, when we started down this podcast journey, I was going through things that, phrases that you and I both say, or, th- you know, words or catchphrases, right. and something that kept coming to mind was you have always said, you know, when I lived with you, when you know, you were you and your children were in my wedding. Um, when we had babies, you often would say, "These are the good old days." Yeah, these like are the these good are days. good days. Yeah. How do you think that shaped your perspective for how you hold the most simple things, the most simple days of your life, so dear to your heart? How do you think that's shaped that? Oh, well, (laughs) I know so many of you are going to relate to this. When you have a level of sadness and heartbreak and feeling just so sad, when you don't, when you have a day that there's like little pockets of just such goodness, like a wonderful cup of coffee and a great breakfast sandwich and, you know, like warm, yeah, puttering, warm (laughs) clothes coming out of the dryer and, you know, um, a beautiful cat. I've got such a beautiful cat. (laughs) Mr. Butters. Uh, Mr. Butters. You know, when, when you can look at your day with, without carrying this just weight of Mm, sadness. That's good. That's how, that's, that's how, that's how I treasure ordinary good days because I have carried just satchels, like just weight of sad days. So if, if somebody is listening and it doesn't have to be necessarily a family thing, but somebody's listening that's carrying the weight. They're feeling the sadness on a daily basis. What would be your takeaway to say, hey, you can do this. You can do this to help maybe move past it or maybe grow from it. Or what would you say to that person? Oh, I have several things. The first thing I would start, I would start telling your your Jesus or your God, your your higher power, whoever that is that you're yeah. believing in within your faith, within your faith belief, start pouring your heart out. Yeah, and telling, telling that person that belief, Jesus, it was Jesus for me. Yeah, telling telling them everything. Yeah, that's good. And asking, also asking, show yeah. up, show up. Will you yeah. show up for me? Yeah. Will you show me something good today? Will you show me one of the pray- prayers that I would pray often during that time was like, please show me your hair. Yeah. Please show me that you're hearing my prayers and that you're here and that I am not alone. Yeah. And that, good. that, that your, your power it's, it's here. 
Like, and I'm going to get through this. So I would say that that would be one thing. The second thing is find someone a little older than you, Mm -hmm. wiser than you and, and of sound mind, body and heart that can speak hope and truth and love into you. Right. Like, like find that person. And if you're like, well, I don't know how to find them. Then go do what Matt did during his hard time. Go just visit churches, sit in the back row, cry the whole time if you have to, and just pray God send someone um, to your life. And, and I believe that if you pray that God, God, God will send someone. Right. Like if we, if we seek him, we're, he's going to be made known. Right. Um, the, the third thing I would say is just to just, just, sit sit in the sad if you're really sad just to be sad i mean like don't don't feel shame around that that was something that i sometimes would feel like i I would feel like i can't cry in front people can't know this like i can't cry in front of everybody whatever um but just just know that it's it's okay to be sad Mm -hmm. i would say also do things do things that cater to your to your hope mm, that's good because because really when you're so sad and when you it looks so dark it just looks like you're never getting out of that tunnel right it look that that light at the end of the tunnel it's like well there it is not there right. like so to do things that foster hope and and ways that I did that was by trying to serve other people. I was, you know, what's funny is I was thinking, I wonder, I was trying to think of, of what you would say. And I remember when I met you, 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 you're still like this, but even in those times you were such a hostess and there were some times, and I, I had a front row seat to that when I lived with you, but there were sometimes there were friends that were over that knew your story and you would share things. And there were times where there were people that we didn't know as well that right. you, just enjoyed yourself and you focused on them and caring for them and loving them. And so I think, yeah, as, as a friend that watched this, um, I think your home and the way that you created home was such a good outlet and a positive outlet for you. Foster hope, do things to foster hope. And can I add one last one that I know you're going to, you're going to agree with me is a clinical counselor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that goes without saying a clinical counselor. Yes. When you're going through a hard time, dark time, health crisis, family crisis, yes, marital crisis, get a professional counselor. And you know what? I think we're, we've, listen, we're only in podcast four, but we've talked about our faith, I think in everyone. And we are both people um, that are Christians that believe in God, that, that believe in Jesus yeah. and his hope. Yeah. But Father we also, <laughs> we also believe in clinical counseling. And to that end, I would also say, I also believe in medication. So if those three things yeah. work in conjunction and that, like those are three things that I'll, I'll stand on those hills. Um, yes. They all contribute to oh, our overall listen, health. I will go as far as to say that I would not be sitting here we yeah. would not be having this conversation and I would not be the person that I am right now if it was not for 11 years of clinical yeah. counseling. Yeah. Here we yet. Absolutely. Daryl says that it is the best money that we have <laughs> ever spent in our marriage yeah. because I had to get some boundaries in place. Right. I had to, you know, there are people in my DMs all the time that tell me, you know, I just, just, just today I've heard two mm. really sad stories, like yeah. really, really, really sad stories. And you know what I, you know what I, I say in response to them? 
get get a clinical counselor, right. get help, because you can't navigate something this traumatic and this hard with your friends or alone. Right. Like your friends are not clinical counselors. Clinical right. counselors, the difference between your friends is your friends are going to say what they think mm-hmm. and what they feel and out of emotion and, you know, maybe because they read a chapter out of Brene Brown's book, <laughs> you know, which, which can be helpful. helpful, but they're not a clinical counselor, right. a clinical counselor. You tell your story, right. you tell what you're dealing with. You tell the things that are being said to you. You tell the things you're saying back, you tell some of your origin story. Mm-hmm. And then your, your clinical counselor, like the fourth time, third or fourth time I went to her, she looked at me like with her head tilted to the side and said, you do know that this is not normal, right? <laughs> to which I bet that's a relief to well, hear. To which I said back to her, no. Because I'm that just was living your reality. It. That was my normal. Yeah. So so go to someone that can look at you and say, This, what's going on, right, needs some clinical help around it. Right. And there are tools that I can give you that if you put in place it is going to change the trajectory of your life. And right. that's exactly what happened with me. Yeah. Now there was there was cost to that. There's a, right. there was a price. Right. There's a big heavy price to that. I mean, I've been estranged from my mom since 2000 and well, you've never met my mom I've never since met your mom. 2007 well, probably, yeah. So, there was a cost, but I, I am a I'm a change per, a different person and and really the when here's what happens when you when you determine boundaries and you change the the track of your life that's general generational mm-hmm. like like some generational stuff like right. my dad did it that way and his granddad did it that way and his you know when you do that what happens is you change it for your children absolutely See, so that's like an invisible that was happening that i did not notice yeah. right when it was happening that i see so clearly now mm. is our boys are nothing they're they're nothing like the family dynamic that i was raised in right. nothing in fact when they hear stories or they hear things they're like wait what because <laughs> it's foreign to them right Right. So as adult people, if you're in a situation where I had somebody DMing me recently just telling me about how difficult their mother was, how difficult this, their siblings were in this whole convoluted situation. Yeah. And I said, do you have a professional? That was my first right. sentence with the whole, with what she was telling me. Do you have a professional therapist? Do right. you have a professional counselor? Because you can't do this. You can't manage this without that help. Right. So counseling, absolutely. That's actually number the number one thing. I mean, <laughs> right along with Jesus, that's the number one thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, is it fair to say that because of the deep, deep sorrow that you you felt, that's why you can say these are good days. Oh, That absolutely. is why you can say, yeah. hey, I wake up with a heart of gratitude. Yeah. The sun is bright. Yeah. There's a hot cup of coffee in my hand. Yeah. My husband is next to me. My children are healthy and yes. well. Yeah. Um, it's why there's why a these jo- are good days. Yes, it's why there's a Joy Scouts troop. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When you've been on the other mm-hmm. side, you know what good looks like. Absolutely. And happy looks that's like so and joy great. looks like. Yeah. Well, Ian, thank you so much for just sharing so much of your heart and your story. And I think um, my hope is that that 
really encourages someone to make a shift. Yeah. Um, that somebody that's listening is going to say, you know, what, I'm going to do this because yeah. I believe that there are good days ahead and I know that things can get better. Yes. And you so, can change it for generations. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Why? Thanks. And I think I'll close it this time. Yes, you can. You close it. Thank you so much for joining us on These Are 